What motivates you to action? Uh, this is a difficult question to consider. Uh, what, when we talk about what motivates us to action, we're, we're talking about the desires of our heart. Um, the desires of our heart are powerful as they move us to, to live in a certain way, and uh, oftentimes it's moved to be what we want, uh, right? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. This is true whether our heart is motivated by wickedness uh, or holiness. If our heart is full of wickedness, then what motivates our life will be wicked. Uh, If our heart is full of love for the Lord, then uh, love for the Lord is what will motivate our life. And this is the wrestle that Christians face in life. Uh, Christians will wrestle with their fleshly desires and the desires of the Spirit. And we're called to put to death our sin and, and to put on Christ. So what is the chief motivation of your actions? And there's a lot of different ways that we could answer that question depending upon what circumstance we find ourselves in. This morning, as we study through the book of Philippians, we see some interesting motivations in the hearts of two different types of people who are responding to Paul being thrown into prison. Paul being thrown into prison has brought about an effect on the church. There are brothers who have grown in their confidence in the Lord uh, because of Paul's imprisonment and are now speaking the word of the Lord without fear. Uh, But there are also some men who are preaching in an attempt to hurt Paul. Uh, As we work through the passage this morning, we're going to see two different kinds of preachers who are motivated by two different hearts, uh, and we're also going to see a surprising response from Paul to these preachers. So it's my prayer as we, as we go through this that uh, we would be convicted uh, about what motivates us to move and act in the way that we do, um, and that we would, by God's grace, be motivated by love uh, rather than by envy. So please turn with me to Philippians Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 9 through the beginning of 18. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that, may, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. 
The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Lord, I ask that you'd open our our eyes to your word this morning, that um, as we go through this passage, Lord, that you'd convict our our hearts, that um, uh, we would be drawn to you and by your grace live lives in obedience to you. Amen. So did you pick out the, the two different preachers as I, as I read through that passage? Uh, there are men who are preaching out of, out of envy of Paul, and there are men who are preaching out of love uh, for God and others. If you look at verse 15, it says that some are preaching out of goodwill. Uh, so as we move forward, I'm going to def- define these two different preachers that are presented here as, uh, just in terms of making it easier, the, the bad will preacher and the goodwill preacher. Um, so these preachers are, are both seeing what has happened to Paul and are inspired by it for different reasons. So look again back at verse 14. It says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So notice the way he describes the people that have grown in in confidence. He says, most of the brothers. So this means that there's some who he has He's left out. Um, most of them have grown in confidence in the Lord. So what about the rest of them? And he immediately addresses the rest who are not a part of the most, who have grown in confidence. And this group preach not from confidence in the Lord, not in a, a newfound boldness in, in the word, uh, but out of envy of Paul. So before we look at the, the two preachers and, and their motivations, it's important to, to understand the, the driving motivations that we see. Uh, so the bad will preacher is motivated by, by envy. Um, Paul says, some indeed preach Christ from envy. So it's, it's coming from an envious heart. Um, envy is the motivation. And on the other hand, the goodwill preacher is motivated by love. Uh, Paul says the latter do it out of love. Uh, the preaching is coming out of love, and that is the motivation. So what is, what is envy, and, and what is love? So in thinking about envy, envy is a it's kind of jealousy. Um, when we're envious of, of others, we, we see something that they have and that that we want, we become discontent with what we have and can even be resentful of that other person. Envy goes along with uh, covetousness. You shall not covet is the tenth commandment. Again, this is uh, looking at something that someone else has and and craving that and having a a passion for it um, to have it for yourself. Um, There's a there's a heart of theft um, and envy and, and covetousness. 
Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Envy is very self-centered. It it looks at all the the good things that others have, and it wants it for itself. And then even gets bitter and discontent uh, about not having what others have. Life is perpetually unfair for the envious person, perpetually a, a, a victim. They, they believe they're not getting what they deserve. Um, this envious heart can lead people to, to steal um, and, and even hurt others in order to get what the envious heart desires. Um, and envy, like, like every sin, leads to death because the wages of sin is death. And envy is a sin that will eventually come under the ultimate judgment of, of God. Um, I'm, I'm confident uh, that every person in this room, which includes me, is guilty of being envious. Um, you, you could be motivated by an envy of the success of others, uh, sometimes being envious isn't even about a material possession. Uh, it could be some intangible thing like, like success. Or sometimes it is a specific material possession that you're covetous of. Um, but even if these things don't strike you and you're not seeing yourself as envious of, of other people and whether or not that's actually true, I, I know that there's someone who we have all been envious of. And that person's God. Did you know it's possible to be envious of God? Um, Just like many things, uh, we see that this goes all the way back to the beginning. The serpent says, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you see the, the seed of envy that's planted there? Um, Satan lies to Adam and Eve in saying that they're not like God. God had made Adam and Eve in his image and likeness. Um, so that was a lie, but then Satan entices them with the knowledge of, of good and evil. It, he entices them with the ability to decide for themselves what is good and what is evil. It, that's not our job to define what is good and evil. That's God's job. But Adam and Eve decided that they wanted something that wasn't theirs to have, and they sinned. And all of us, when we have sinned, have said in our heart that we know better than God, that we can take the position of God, and we can define what is good and what is evil. Um, There's envy in our hearts, Uh, to be the God of our own lives. Um, it's, you and I can be envious of God. Um, and yet, God shows his love for us in sending Jesus. Uh, we brought about death and destruction to our lives by, by seeing something that wasn't ours to have and by taking it in, in disobedience to God. But God in his grace and mercy then decided to, to offer something that he had, uh, life and salvation, 
to those who would repent and, and believe. And, and he did this through the complete and finished work of, of Jesus Christ. And uh, those who repent and believe in Jesus can be saved. Um, love, on the other hand, uh, love is not envious because it is not self-centered. A biblical love is first and foremost directed towards God, which then overflows into a love of others. When we are motivated by love, we're moved to live in obedience to God out of love for him and moved to care for others in order to be faithful ambassadors of the love that we have received from God. Love desires to give, while envy desires to take. Paul presents to us the two different preachers who have responded to his imprisonment, the badwill preacher who's motivated by envy and the goodwill preacher who's motivated by love. So we're going to look first at the badwill preacher who's motivated by envy. And I saw three different ways that the envious heart acts. So first of all, a heart motivated by envy acts as a rival. Um, what, is, what is rivalry? Uh, the word here speaks of strife, uh, dissension, conflict. And when I hear the word rivalry, rivalry, I tend to automatically think of some sort of competition um, where there's Rivals competing against each other. Uh, rivals are not on the same team. They're opposing each other. Um, but rivals aren't just people that are competing against each other. It, it's, it's usually even a little bit more bigger than that. Uh, typically, there's some, some heat and emotion involved in, in rivalries. For instance, if you think of Michigan and Ohio, there's a little bit more on the line there with, with that game. Um, so it, it can be easy to see that sort of rivalry. Okay, so, but, but what about this passage? What, what is this passage talking about in terms of the rivalry um, here? What's going on there? Paul tells us uh, he, these preachers are seeking to afflict him while he's in prison. Um, it's important to see how, how envy and and rivalry are working together here. These, these men are, are envious of Paul and the ministry that, that he's doing. The, the Lord, in his grace and, and knowledge, decided to give Paul a platform to share the gospel. Now, this is completely because of the sovereignty of, of God, God's authority. And now, uh, because of that, there's, there's a lot of people who look up to Paul because he's a leader and, and has authority in, in the church. Um, Paul is writing these letters to people because they're, they're listening to what he has to say about Jesus. It, Paul's an incredibly influential person in the early church. Um, and there are some who are jealous of that. Uh, they want to have the, the influence, authority, and, and leadership that, that Paul does. They're, they're envious of him. So when Paul is put in prison, they see this as an opportunity. They see Paul being in prison as a, 
serving a, a self-centered and man-centered agenda. Uh, they, they begin preaching the gospel in order to gain followers from people who are listening to Paul. Um, part of the interesting and troubling uh, thing here is that these men are actually preaching the, the true gospel. Um, and they're using the truth in an attempt to, to hurt a brother. Um, we, can, we can be wicked, can't we? Using the truth to, to hurt someone. Um, and, and they're not only using the truth to hurt someone, they're using the gospel of Jesus Christ, the most glorious truth in, in the world, an attempt to, to harm someone. Uh, and, and not just anyone, but, uh, but Paul, a, a leader in the, in the early church. The truth is meant to set people free, not to be used as a weapon to, to hurt people. Um, but we can be like that. Uh, sometimes we can use truth as a weapon to, to hurt people rather than using the truth as uh, in love to help set people free. And, and this doesn't mean that the truth will never hurt. Um, it does and, and can hurt. And having sin exposed can be offensive and, and painful. But our, but our intentions in that and our motivations must be for someone's good, not for someone's harm or, or pain. Um, having our sin exposed is, is painful, but it is for our ultimate good in order to lead us to, to repentance. So we need to be watchful of, of our hearts we should not use the truth for the end of inflicting pain upon people, but rather to, to draw people to the love of the Lord. Uh, secondly, a heart motiv- motivated by envy is, is insincere. Insincere. So Paul says, The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. The proclamation of the gospel by these men is not a sincere proclamation. Uh, being sincere means that we, we mean what we say. Uh, to be sincere is to be genuine. Uh, but these men are not being sincere. So why is their preaching not sincere? Well, uh, they're not preaching the gospel in a genuine way. They're not actually concerned about the truth of the gospel being proclaimed. They're, they're not actually concerned about lost sinners hearing the good news. Um, what they are interested in is, is trying to hurt Paul, specifically. They're interested in, in afflicting Paul. They're interested in building up their own platform for themselves. Um, sincerity is a, it's a matter of the heart. And in mind, look at what Paul says again. He says, uh, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me. These men have been thinking about how this will hurt Paul. Um, it's, it's very important to keep a careful watch over our heart and our mind and to continue to remember our, our first love. How is it 
that these men got to the point where they had such disdain for Paul that when they see him in prison, they see that as an opportunity to hurt him. How is that possible? Um, How could people get to be self-centered like that? Um, They've forgotten and replaced their first love. This is a heart full of idolatry. And these people know the truth. We will see, we'll see this as Paul responds to them in a pretty incredible way later. They know the truth and are speaking the truth, but even in knowing the truth and in speaking the truth, they have forgotten their first love. The first love of a Christian is Jesus. God takes the priority of our life. God is not a means to an end for us, for our own glory, and for our own, uh, to gain our own earthly possessions, to gain the things that we want. Trying to use God to, to get things that you want is incredibly proud and foolish. Uh, it's to have a complete lack of respect for God. God is not a, a tool to use for your own benefit. He's, he's to be worshipped in, in awe and, and reverence. God is the, the creator of the universe. He's the first and the last. The, completely and totally holy and perfect and righteous. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He, he is gracious and merciful and compassionate. He provides forgiveness. He relents from disaster. He is completely sovereign and powerful, and he will enact his righteous judgment at the end of time. And the truth is that all of us deserve this righteous wrath of God. But because of God's love for sinners, he sent Jesus to die in the place of sinners in order that salvation would be made possible. And Jesus rose from the grave, providing hope of resurrection, new life. We We would be foolish to presume that God is but a mere tool to be used for our own earthly benefit. The the only reason we can benefit from God is because he offers that to us freely in his grace. It's not because of us. Um, Are you sincere? Uh, We need to repent and ask for the Lord to, to change our hearts. You cannot white-knuckle your grip on your heart to force yourself into sincerity. Um, Sincerity comes from the heart, and only the Lord can change our hearts. Uh, And he who begins a good work in you will also complete it. So we can take heart and remember, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Uh, For your rest and hope is in Christ. He provides for you. Third, a heart motivated by envy promotes itself. A heart motivated by envy promotes itself. You remember last week how we saw that mankind is designed to advance. These brothers who are preaching out of envy without a sincere heart They have an agenda they are trying 
to advance. And that agenda is their own platform and influence. This goes right along with envy and insincere preaching. They're envious of the platform that the Lord has given to Paul because he has authority and influence now. And so they want that authority and influence for themselves. And so they preach not because they care about sinners and hearing the gospel and coming to the saving knowledge of Christ, but because they see an opportunity to to hurt Paul and potentially grow their own following. Even while preaching, while they're preaching the truth of Christ, they're more interested in hurting Paul and promoting their own name. Uh, this is an incredibly man-centered approach to preaching. Uh, they're, they're focused on, on two men, themselves and Paul, um, rather than preaching the God-man, Jesus Christ. Um, And and this brings up a good question for for all of us to consider. Uh, Are we more interested in promoting our own name rather than Christ? Uh, Scripture scripture speaks about the importance of of the name of Jesus. Uh, Here, just a few verses. We, We read this first one in the call to worship this morning. Acts 4.12 And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name here is the name of Jesus. There is no other name in which we must be saved. Ephesians 1.21-23 says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. The name of Jesus is above every name that is ever to be named. We're, we're fools if we try to promote some other name other than Jesus Christ. And as we, as we continue through Philippians, we'll, we'll see this come up uh, again. Uh, chapter 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name that is worthy of being spread throughout the earth It's not your name, it's not my name, but the name of Jesus Christ. For it is in Jesus Christ alone that salvation can be found. Um, Our our names cannot provide anybody with salvation. And so lift up the name of Jesus. Um, The goodwill preacher is motivated by love. Uh, And again, we see that this heart that is motivated by love, acts out in, in, in three ways here. So first, a heart motivated by love trusts in the sovereignty of God. So verse 16 says, The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So the brothers who are preaching out of love know that God is working and moving to save his people, even in the trials that, that that Paul's facing. 
And this is part of why they've grown in confidence to preach the word of God without fear. They trust in the sovereignty of God and know that whatever happens to them can be used by God to advance the gospel. It, it follows that those who love God also trust God. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So love for God leads to obedience to God's commandments, and this is built upon a trust for God. The Christian life is built upon trusting the Lord. Uh, That's a big part of what belief in Jesus is, right? To trust that he is who he said he is and that he did what he said he did. Uh, And the world will always try to undermine your trust in the Lord and in his word. Again, we see that that's, that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. The serpent's lie led to a lack of trust in God and, and what he said, his word. Um, these brothers are preaching out of love, knowing that Paul was placed in prison in order to proclaim the gospel there. They have trust in God, knowing that God is working out his, his plan. And they don't see this as an opportunity to to hurt Paul. Rather, they see this as an opportunity for Paul to preach to another group of people that maybe he wouldn't have been able to preach to. Um, they, they don't see this as an opportunity to hurt anybody. They, t- they see this as, as God doing a mighty work that even, even the guards and the prisoners and all who else are, are there, that they would hear Paul present the gospel to them. God, God is trustworthy. Uh, we can be encouraged by that reality. That God in his sovereign love sent Jesus Christ to die in the place of sinners like, like you and me, that the Lord keeps his promises and will provide salvation through Christ. God, God is trustworthy. Secondly, a heart motivated by love is sincere. A heart motivated by love is sincere. So this is in contrast to the motivations of the bad will preachers. The good will preachers preach with sincerity of heart, not for some other ulterior, ulterior motive or selfish ambition. They, they genuinely love the Lord, care for the people, and desire that the gospel would go forth in order that sinners would repent and believe. There's no selfish ambition in terms of the proclamation of the truth. There's no secret agenda behind what what they're proclaiming. Uh, This is a God-centered approach to preaching rather than a man-centered approach. The insincere men, even though they were preaching the truth, were doing it for their own selfish agenda. The motivation of their preaching centered around Paul and themselves rather than the Lord, which shows that their message wasn't really about Jesus, it was about their own platform. Uh, now, I, I know that uh, this is about these preachers. Uh, not all of us are, are preachers. Uh, there is application here that goes that further than just men preaching and teaching. Um, a, a good question for us to consider in light of Paul ex- exposing these motivations is to ask the question again that we asked right at the beginning. What is it that motivates us? 
are we motivated by a sincere love for the Lord, or are we motivated by trying to, to get something from somebody? Uh, are, we mot- are, are we genuinely motivated by love for God and love for others, or is there some other ulterior agenda, uh, something that we're trying to, to gain? Uh, in, in our selfishness, we can be partial towards certain people because we think we can get something from them, or we can be impartial towards others because we don't think that we can gain anything from them. God is not partial. God is just. And as we look at our motivations, it may become apparent that the Lord is showing us impure motives of our heart. Um, uh, Third, uh, a heart motivated by love acts in a way that promotes Christ. A heart motivated by love acts in a way that promotes Christ. Again, this is in opposition of those who are using Jesus to promote themselves. Uh, Who is the person that people need to hear about in order to be saved? Uh, It's it's not you and me. It's Jesus. Um, Building up a lot of people to follow you is is not what we're called to do. Uh, We're not called to build up a a platform for ourselves. We're called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We're called to follow after Christ, point people to Christ, for it's Jesus who saves, not not me, not you. So we lift high the name of Jesus. Now, uh, Paul goes on to address what to do about this situation of having two different types of men uh, preaching the gospel, and, and what he says is surprising. Uh, he says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. That's, that's remarkable. Uh, there are people there that are literally trying to hurt him. And he says, well, if they're preaching Christ... I'll rejoice in that. Um, He's able to say this because he knows and believes that it's not about him. It's about Jesus. Uh, It's incredible what what Paul is doing here. And and this is is very important. Um, The fact that Paul is rejoicing in, in Christ being proclaimed does not lead him to ignore the sin of the bad will preachers. Uh, we just looked at the previous verses where he has called out their sin, their rivalry, their envy, their selfish ambition. So Paul is, is able to call out their sins while also rejoicing that they are preaching the truth of the gospel at the same time. Um, If someone is preaching the truth of the gospel, that fact does not give them immunity from having their sin confronted. Uh, Just like truth matters, character matters as well. Uh, Rejoicing in the proclamation of the gospel does not come at the expense of ignoring the sins of the preacher. 
that we have seen throughout church history and, and even, even recent church history how preachers who have preached a true and, and right gospel have, have also gone without having their sin being confronted. And it ends in disaster. Uh, because when, when sin is not repented of, it, it grows and destroys. Um, so this is, this is an, an admonishment for me as I'm standing before you preaching. Um, but it's also good for you to hear as well. Um, I, I may preach the truth of the good news of, of Jesus Christ, but that reality does not excuse sin in my life. Uh, I am not above criticism or being confronted. Uh, I, I must model a life of repentance as well as I preach and teach the truth. To, to not live a life of repentance while preaching repentance is to be a hypocrite. Um, and in fact, to go back to what we've seen throughout the whole passage, uh, for me to not live a life of repentance while preaching repentance, that would be an insincere proclamation of the truth. It would be to use the truth of the gospel as a means to my own selfish end. Um, as, as your pastor and the one preaching, I, I must, by God's grace, model a life of repentance as I preach repentance. Um, well, that's enough about me. Um, what about your motivations? Um, are, are, are you living your life motivated out of love for the Lord? And this is a question for all of us to consider in light of everything that we do. What is motivating our heart to action? In all of this, remember that your hope, your hope of salvation is on Christ. Jesus lived in sincerity and love and acted along with the will of God and offered sinners with salvation through himself. So now those who repent and believe have the righteousness of Christ applied to them. For those whom God has saved, he looks upon your life as if you've always lived with righteous motivations. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Let's rejoice in that truth uh, this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we, we confess to you that our, our motivations of our heart have not always been pure. We have even been envious of, of you and wanting to be the God of our own life. Uh, Lord, we... We ask that you would do a mighty work in our hearts and minds, that you would, you would change us by your grace, by your power, that we would not be motivated by envy or selfish ambition, but that we would be people who are motivated out of, out of love for you, love for others. Lord, we thank you for this incredible gift of salvation, that the fact that Jesus Christ, who lived a, a perfect life without sin, 
who had totally, completely pure and holy motivations. We thank you that his righteousness has now been applied to us so that now when you, when you, when you look at those who have repented and believed, you see, you see someone as being blameless. Lord, we're in awe of, of this gift. And I ask that you'd help us to live in, in light of this reality that we'd continue to grow in, in, in our sanctification and that we would live our lives with pure and holy motivations. Amen.